You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing in real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. Hey, welcome back to the show, uh, Two Smart Assets. Uh, my name is Danny. This is Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? You doing all right? What's going on, man? I'm doing pretty good. Been a good day. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're cozied up here in the library, the the studio lab back here where we're making some jams with these guitars. Just kidding. I don't. I don't. I'm not musically inclined at all. This guy though, Chris. Nah, we'll talk about that different day. <laughs> you 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 can play some guitar, man. You're pretty good at it. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe one day you can play for the show. We'll see. We'll okay. get you there. Okay. You seem a little gun shy <laughs> about that, so we'll let that pass. But, anyways, okay. So today, today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, uh, what apartment syndication is and why it's a good thing to add to your portfolio. You know, um, basically, uh, one day we stumbled upon apartment syndication, and really, when it came down to it, uh, it was brand new to us. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. Um, it was one of those things. Uh, you just go into it not knowing so, and then you kind of fall down this rabbit hole once you get an idea of, you know, this could be something really interesting, you know, that we could add to our portfolio and help us get to uh, achieve the goals that we want. So really what we found out initially is you can syndicate a lot of deals. You know, it doesn't have to be apartment complexes. It it could be, um, you know, large commercial properties, mobile homes, vacation resorts, ATMs. I mean, you can really syndicate a, a lot of things here. So really that kind of caught our eye. Yeah. I would say, you know, it caught our eye, uh, but it's also one of those things when you decide to get into syndication, you know, it might be good at first to kind of focus on mm-hmm. one, one niche, you know, other than going around looking at all of them, you know, cause you want to be able to evaluate them properly. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we decided to look, uh, focus on apartment, apartment syndications. Right. Um, so, but again, you can, you can kind of, you can kind of invest or you can kind of go in a route. There's a lot of different ways to syndicate, but so just starting off with that, Chris, uh, you know, let's break it down a little bit. What is an apartment syndication or what's an, you know, just a, syndication a, in general? Well, syndication by itself is uh, basically a, uh, a pool of people, uh, uh, pool the resources together to uh, basically to purchase a large property that uh, a single individual or just a small group of people wouldn't have otherwise been able to do uh, just by themselves. Um, you know, this syndication is really is a team sport and a lot of people have different roles and it would be probably pretty close to impossible for any one person to get a deal like this going and get it to the finish line all by themselves. So it is just pooling your resources, pulling the capital together to get, a, uh, to get something done that otherwise would have been unachievable, uh, you know, just by ourselves. Absolutely. And, you know, we found out, you know, doing single family homes that uh, tackling tackling those by ourselves, it wasn't a big deal. You know, we, it, well, I mean, it was a big deal, but we could do it. It was manageable, but we yeah. had no idea, you know, how we, we could move into large multifamily properties and invest in those. We kind of thought it was out of our, out of our realm, but uh, you know, this provides a way for us, for investors in general to uh, take part in these large deals, you know, which are provide great returns, you know, risk mitigation, all sorts of things. But um, so really when it comes to apartment syndications, there's, there's two main parties when it comes to this, there's the general partners and there's the limited partners. And so the general partners, uh, they're also called the GP or the syndicator or the sponsor. Well, really when it comes down to it, they're in charge of pretty much the deal, the whole deal, Mm -hmm. all aspects of the deal, you know, from finding funding and closing the transaction to raising capital, investor relations, and basically just seeing the project all the way through to completion, whether they're going to refinance it at the end or they're going to exit the property through a sale, or maybe they just hold it, 
you know, there's, there's a couple of different ways that you could do that, but really that's the main goal or the main role of the general partner. And on the flip side of that, on the, the other component is the limited partners and they are strictly passive investors. So basically they provide the capital, the funds to uh, pump into these deals and the, you know, the way that it's structured, typically they get a return on their money. Right. I mean, right. that's, that's, that's the deal. So, but the really appealing thing is beyond just the returns and the tax benefits and the diversification that this adds to your portfolio is that this com- this is almost completely passive. Mm-hmm. You might have a little bit of leg room up front, uh, a leg work up front that you'll have to do. Um, but after you do that, it's, it's, it's pretty much passive after that. Cause you just sit back. You, there's nothing you can do. You don't, you really don't have any responsibilities in the active part of, of, of the syndication, right? Because right. somebody else is executing the business plan. You just need to do your upfront homework and your due diligence just to make sure and investigate that who you're dealing with is has a good track record and the deal that you're you know, approaching or thinking about actually getting into, uh, just making sure that it's actually a good deal. And then once it, it is kind of a set and forget, you know, you've done your work upfront, make sure it's a good deal all around, and then you let the GP execute the business plan and you just kind of sit back and passively just watch your cash flow come in monthly, quarterly, or however it's set up? You know, it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing, especially if you can get lined up with the right syndicator. You know, uh, if, <clears throat> if you're trying to make passive income and get a good return, uh, being able to do this, it's, it, it's, a huge, it's a huge tool that you can actually that just add to your portfolio, really, if you have the funds to do it. You know, if you're, set, if you're the type of person who can invest in this, it's, it's a great way to get into real estate uh, investing. Um, without a lot of experience as well. But so, so let's kind of divert, uh, move on to uh, the next um, segment of this really is uh, who can invest in these in, in apartment syndications? You know, you would think, you know, especially for us initially, we think, well, we can't invest in these. There's no way. But really, who can invest in these? And Chris, you can talk a little bit about that. Um, well, basically, make sure your finances are in order. I mean, it's a pretty expensive endeavor to uh, get into. So that's, I guess, like the, the, the lowest barrier entry is uh, just the initial setup cost or, you know, the initial investment that you're going to deploy. But really, we have different, uh, you know, there's different kind of offerings, uh, 506C, 506B, um, uh, whether you're an accredited investor or a sophisticated investor, uh, that's going to depend on your current net worth and what you've been able to come up or what you've been able to earn over the last several years uh, and what you're expected to reach, uh, to actually earn over the next, uh, the coming year. Um, why don't you tell us uh, the, the difference? Okay. Yeah. So go into a little bit basically of <coughs> what the difference is between, <coughs> excuse me, accredited and non-accredited, right? So um, accredited, basically what that means is you have to have an, an income or a net worth basically requirement that you, that you hit. So with that being said, if you're an individual, you need to make $200,000 or more uh, annually for the last two years and you, and you will uh, assume to do that going forward, or you and your spouse can earn $300,000 a year for the last two years and expect to do that going forward. And then you, then you reach the income requirement to be considered an accredited investor, or you could have a net worth, a, a single net worth just for a single individual uh, of a million dollars or more or a joint with your spouse of a million dollars or more. And now those two criteria pieces right there will give you, uh, you become a credit investor. Basically you, you, you meet the requirements, you're an accredited investor and you can, when you go to sign up with a syndicator, they'll ask for proof. And basically there's a couple different ways to do that, but we won't get into that on this well, episode. With that, with that, uh, 
with that accreditation, is there a limit on, uh, do, do I get to count my house no, towards my no, net worth? No, that's a great, that's a great point. So uh, your primary residence is not counted towards your net worth. So if you're including that in your net worth, take it out. Good, good to know. Yep, great point. I'm glad you brought that up. And then as for non-accredited investors, it's basically everybody else. Mm -hmm. So you don't meet that requirement or you don't meet the minimum income requirements or um, the net worth requirements. So you're classified as a non-accredited or a sophisticated investor. Now, that being said, um, it's good to have some experience. And by experience, I mean just some knowledge about investing. And, you know, when you go into these deals and kind of like what Chris was saying, if uh, you find out what these people are offering, whether they're offering the 506B or the 506C, well, the 506B uh, is the one where you can be accredited or non-accredited, mm -hmm. right? But with the 506B, you can only, um, it only allows 35 non-accredited investors right. to be a part of it. And then an unlimited amount of accredited, accredited investors. Whereas, and then also with that, um, with the 506C, it's accredited investors only, like you were saying earlier. So if you're not accredited, if you're just a sophisticated investor, the, and you know, you got, you're lined up with, or you're talking to somebody who does 506Cs, you're not gonna be able to take part of those deals. So it's one thing to, to pay attention to and um, just to kind of make sure you know where you stand as an investor uh, and then, you know, aligning yourself with those, with those deals going forward. So kind of like going back to what Chris was saying, if you have some money to invest and you've invested in something before, you have some experience, um, you basically can get in these deals as long as you build a relationship with one of the syndicators. You know, you need to go in, have a conversation with them, jump on the phone, uh, maybe have a face-to-face -face meetup if you can. Um, those are all great ways. And then if you're not a credit investor, you're actually required to build a relationship with uh, a syndicator. So For 30 days, actually. Right. We, ha we have to establish a, a relationship 30 days before you participate in any offerings we might have. Okay. So keep that in mind. And uh, that's definitely a... You got to reach out and start building those relationships now because you don't know what's going to come up in the next 30 days or 60 days. We might have a deal going and that way you're eligible to get in and participate. Perfect. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's jump into... Uh, so now we know who can invest in these things. Let's jump into, you know, why we should <clears throat> invest in these or like really what's a the pros and cons of this, you know, so if you want to touch on that a little bit, Chris. Uh, well, so the cons immediately, you, you, as soon as you invest this money, this is an illiquid asset. You need to be, uh, you, you need to be able to uh, anticipate not needing this money for the next three to five, seven years, whatever the exit strategy might be for any particular deal. You're not going to get this money back right now. I know that there are special circumstances where they might be able to accommodate you if you have some kind of life uh, event happen. Uh, between here and five years from now, they might be able to do that, but that's going to be on a situational basis. Seems I just, pretty rare. Yeah, but I just wouldn't count on it. But basically, is an illiquid asset, consider your money uh, tied up for the time being, right? Um, and like I was saying, you know, typically it's going to be tied up for probably five to seven years. It could be less than that, but it actually still could be longer than that, maybe even pushing 10 years, depending on how the market's looking and if they need to hold on to this property a little bit longer to have a, a better upside in the end. You know, when we, when we got to let loose this property and get it sold, you know, we want to position ourselves uh, in the best possible light. And the same can be said for, uh, you know, like you were talking about, you might be able to exit the property sooner. So say the market does uh, really well mm -hmm. or the property does really well and they decide to sell the property early, you might get out of this property or out of this investment 
three or two, four years, yeah, maybe? two, three, four years or something and get your money back even sooner. It just depends on the deal in the market, you know, or mm-hmm. it depends. Maybe they can refinance early and then you get a portion of your capital back then. So there, there's, there's room for it to, to come out early. And there's also, you know, you might be delayed a little bit, but either way you should be still getting a return if you're with a, uh, you know, a responsible and a, and a good syndicator. So perfect. Go ahead. And uh, if you want to move on from there. Uh, well, I mean, that's kind of like all the downside really. I mean, there's some risk involved, but overall these are pretty uh, resilient uh, type of investments. They can really withstand the economy uh, pretty well, uh, you know, versus a, a single family or a small multifamily home. Um, and, you know, we've experienced, I mean, cause you know, we have, we've invested in uh, single family homes and, you know, we've experienced the pain of vacancy, you know, um, mm-hmm. if you're not set up right and if you have a vacancy in your single family home, well, then your cash flow just, it's gone. Zero. Right. So, um, then you're paying, uh, you know, hopefully you have a reserve fund built up. You can, you know, pay out of that or whatever, but with a large multifamily property, you know, if a unit or two or even a handful of units go vacant, uh, the cash flow from the rest of the remaining, uh, units should cover you. Yeah, they, we usually end up seeing pretty conservative underwriting that will allow the vacancy to, to drop to 85, maybe even 80% and you still be able to break even, you know? So a lot of these things that we're looking at, you know, they have, they have well more than that on average occupancy, but we do enough conservative underwriting that uh, we really can, uh, can stomach those costs and that, that downside, which, you know, if you can stomach that downside, then this is a good investment. And so even at worst case scenario, if, you know, if we are at 80% occupancy, that's not great, but we're making ends meet, you know, so. And, and as a passive investor, it's good to pay attention to these things. When you look at an executive summary that you see from a syndicator or uh, just anything that you talk to, make sure you're looking and asking questions about the syndicator, uh, you know, underwriting conservatively and, you know, if they're putting in these, these metrics and with understanding that things actually happen, um, that's going to position yourself better for success going forward with the investment. Obviously things can happen. There's always risk. So take that with a grain of salt. You know, we hit on a lot of the downside. Why don't you hit us with some of the upside? All right, cool. Absolutely. So really the thing for me is, so I work a full-time job. Uh, actually it's, I work a lot. Um, as we all do, I'm sure, but uh, I'm gone most of the time. And uh, really the thing for me is I wanted to be able to invest in something. Uh, I like passive, but I also like doing the stuff, but uh, really I needed, I had no experience in large multifamily at the time. Didn't know anything about it. You know, when I first started looking at this and the thing that really attracted me was being able to leverage the experience of, of experienced syndicators. You know, they have the systems in place. They've done this numbers, you know, numerous times and they have the systems in place. They know the processes, they know what happens when things go wrong. So be able to leverage that experience and to be able to uh, use that to our advantage, really, when it comes to investing as large as it's great, you know, and you know, it being passive as well. I think that for me personally, it was a great way to invest in real estate uh, to diversify our portfolio from single family, you know, and get into these large multifamily properties and going, going even deeper into that, into the diversification, you know, whether you're just in real estate or you have stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever, um, investing in apartment syndications is a great way to diversify your portfolio to get that passive income. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you want to achieve a financial freedom or, you know, whatever your goal is, uh, this is a great way to diversify into different classes of real estate. Say you're just a real estate investor and you got single family homes, you got short-term rentals, maybe you got a mobile home park. Well, 
it, you know, it's good to, it's good to focus on, you know, a couple of different, um, asset classes, mm-hmm. but apartment syndication is a great way, uh, for a number of reasons based on the fact that they get the vacancy risk is lowered because like we talked about earlier, there's so many units. If you have one or two go empty, not a no big, big deal. deal, not a big deal at all. And then also you have the opportunity if you'd like is you can go in and you can analyze different markets and see which markets fit what you think are going to be most successful going forward. So say you want to invest in a deal in Dallas or in the next one, you want to invest in a deal in Orlando and the next one you invest a deal in Memphis, you can do that. So you can take, you can, you can really take advantage of the economies of scale and then also the diversification in markets, whether, you know, maybe you're just investing in your backyard, which is fine if you live in a a place that has a great real estate economy. Um, But that's not everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen that. So that's another reason that you can, you know, you can diversify in the markets, you can diversify in, in the asset type and really make your money work for you passively. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, it's very passive and to be able to do that is, is great. And another great point is, is that if you do invest with say a syndicator or somebody and you find you don't really like their style as much as you thought you would, you can always go and obviously invest in another, another deal with a different, with a different operator. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if I'd suggest going and just, you know, investing with a dozen different operators. Sure. It's fine, but maybe find one that works well with you and really fits your style and kind of do more and more deals with them. But, uh, you know, if you find one that doesn't really fit your style, maybe move on to the next one. It's kind of one of those things. Well, I think it's important to uh, diversify across, uh, across the asset classes, a class across the geographic regions, but then also diversify across the actual syndicators that you're using. Right. You know, you just, you just gotta, gotta mix and match and find out what's working and, and who's working well in what areas. And if that works well with your actual, the goals that you're trying to achieve. I mean, you just, and that, and that goes back to mitigating the risk. You know, when you spread, when you spread yourself across the board, any one thing could go wrong. And instead of it being just this travesty, it's only a small problem that we got to deal with. So, I mean, it's pretty crucial. I think, you know, just protecting yourself. It's a great shop around, man. What other, what other, what other pros do you see in, in investing in apartment syndication? Do you have anything in your mind where you think like maybe this is, you know, Cause we've talked about, we've talked about diversification. We've talked about just using the leverage of, of the experience, you know, that these guys bring to the table. Is there any other thing that, that comes to your mind that you think really is a good advantage for uh, investing in apartment syndications? Well, well, first, you know, we're not accountants. We're not CPAs. No, we're not, no. you know, we're just here to, to and that's good. That's, to, yeah. That we're just here to bring you some ideas, but the taxes, the taxes, uh, the tax benefits are enormous and you know, that's going to be a whole episode by itself, you know, oh, yeah. It's a college level class. Uh, what's uh, uh, everything that can be uh, can be exhausted throughout that? But there are uh, in numerous tax advantages uh, just in doing this. What, like investing through an LLC, just the pass through. Everybody gets to share some of this depreciation and just count it count it against your taxes. And well, in a lot of these we're seeing. You know, kind of what happens is you see these guys. They'll go and. Uh, they'll do uh, a cost segregation study, right? And so you can do that on large multifamily because it's it's feasible economically. Yeah. They are expensive to do. So doing one on say a single family home doesn't really make any sense because your return is not going to be, the return on that that investment the, of doing it 
it doesn't make it worth it. Right? Yeah. I and mean, there's no you point. spend too much money on that right. actual act yeah. of doing it that you just offset the cost that you were going right. to benefit anyway. Sense. So, but with doing this with a, a large property like this and you do the cost segregate segregation, and then you take advantage of that bonus depreciation where you can take all most of that in that first year. Right. And then, so having that your returns basically through a lot of, through the years of holding this property, you're basically not paying any taxes while, while this, while you're, controlling this property. Right. So your returns are basically tax-free. Uh, obviously there's going to be the, the, the depreciation recapture at the end, but there's ways to, there's even ways to do that. Say you invest another deal and you can mitigate that if you need yep. to, you know, there's, there's a whole way to do it. But again, we are not CPAs. We're not attorneys. We're not tax advisors and we are not advising anybody on anything. We're just providing information. So <laughs> give you an idea to work yeah. off of, go talk to your yeah. CPA yeah. about this yeah, and uh, they'll be able to help and, you out. And eventually we'll get somebody on here with much more knowledge than that, uh, than that about, than we know. So we'll get them on here and then we'll have them explain that, uh, much better than we can. And, uh, that kind of goes in with, uh, the tax advantages, you know, another great aspect of this is if you've got an old retirement account or something, you can use that. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I've had uh, a full-time job for, for a while now in, and you use the, you have a 401k, but really what can you invest in? Stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, right? I mean, that's pretty much it. And so the idea of being able to use that to, um, in a way to use that to invest in real estate is amazing. Mm -hmm. I, you can invest in a lot of things really with that, but you can invest in real estate and it's a huge tool. So if you have this money sitting there, say it's parked in the stock market, you're not getting the returns you want. Well, there's a way to maybe switch it to an account where you can and invest in real estate or something else mm -hmm. than something other than stocks. And to be able to do that is a, is a huge tool. So I think that, uh, I think that being able to consider that, and again, we're not CPAs, but this is a huge advantage to being able to invest in, in apartment syndications with this tool. Cause you can take that money that's basically dead, just lying around and get real returns, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great advantage. And so we've talked about taxes. We've talked about diversification, we've talked about a number of things. What are the actual returns on, you know, what, what are some returns look like on apartment syndication, the actual returns coming back? Well, uh, right now, uh, often we're seeing like 8% uh, refer, uh, I'm sorry, 8% preferred returns uh, off the cash flow. Um, you know, and really that's, uh, they can really project to be uh, between six and 15%, maybe more, maybe less, but depending typically, yeah, depending on the deal. Um, also, it's going to depend, excuse me, it's going to depend on whether it's class A, class B, you know, um, but really we're seeing like 10% or better, 12% for the life of the return, maybe even more than that. But I mean, you're better with those. Well, I think, I think too, that, you know, when we first heard about apartment syndication, the actual returns, you know, the market's getting tighter, deals are harder to come by. And then that, uh, that, uh, and that, um, uh, deals are harder to come by, but it's one of those things that, the returns might be a little bit lower, but they're still pretty good. I mean, they're a lot of times they outweigh uh, the stock market or, you know, what, whatever your, it can. your high yield savings account is doing, you know, well, there's all high yield savings account isn't doing much. I can't <laughs> do that. So. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, right. You get those, you get them, you're seeing an eight prefer, 8% prefer return. And basically what that means is, you know, if the cash flow is equal to 8% for that property, you're going to get 8%. You're right. going to be the first to get paid before anybody on the general partnerships side gets paid. So if it hits 8%, you're going to get it. And then if it goes over 8%, they usually do something like a waterfall where mm -hmm. there's like a, it's like a profit split. So basically um, if there's say there's an extra, so you actually get 10% cash flow, well you get that 8% and 
uh, straight off the bat for the preferred return, but then that 2% is split. We're seeing like a 70-30 split right now. Seems to be pretty common. 70-30. maybe, yeah. but... LPGP. So yep. you, the LP will get 70 or 80 and the GP will get 20 or 30. So, uh, and then that's how that's split going forward. So, and that's the way the, the active investors, the syndicators can get paid during the. Right. It incentivizes them to go ahead and continue to continue pushing and meeting those metrics and exceeding everything. You know, and there's, there's uh, different metric or different uh, levels or hurdles, you know, from zero to 10 per, or let's say zero to 8%. Uh, is like your first hurdle, whatever, then, you know, between eight and 12 or eight and 15% and then 15% and beyond. Like, so there's a, a graduated scale uh, just to kind of keep the uh, distributions that it, uh, it allows for a disproportionate distribution uh, of the profits, you know, right. as it moves forward. But like I said, it, it's, it's in a way it incentivizes the general partner to, to continue to excel at this, at this deal. Uh, so that way, I mean, so get paid. So that basically, it's a very general uh, overview of the returns. So basically, the, the, the pros that we see in apartment syndication are, you know, you can, you can take advantage of the leverage you know, of the experience of the syndicators, diversification in the market, diversification in the asset, asset type, and diversification of actually the people you work with, you know, the syndicators. I mean, you typically, really, you can diversify as much as you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also taxes are huge it's a huge benefit, right? To have tax-free returns, man, it's massive. I mean, who doesn't want and, that? Right? And it's even compounded by the fact like whether or not you're self-employed. Oh. You know, I mean, it's just, there's huge implications to reduce your tax liability and even get a return at the end of the year versus paying in. Absolutely. So. And then, you know, you can invest potentially with a retirement account if you got one laying around and then the returns themselves, they're pretty good returns. If you're getting an APREF and, you know, we've talked about it before we first started out investing was in stocks and 8%. I must not be a very good stock picker because 8% to me on uh, a preferred return is that's healthy. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. I'm not mad about that one second. So, um, so that's basically, so that's basically a summary of, of, of the pros of why investing in a part of There are more, but that's just a general overview. So, uh, Chris, we're about out of time here. Uh, you got anything you want to add to, you know, uh, why apartment syndication is something to invest in? You know, I think uh, this is a way for me to kind of sleep easy at night, knowing that somebody who I've, somebody who I've kind of, done a loose background check on, you know, checking their, checking their history and, um, and just their, their reputation. I mean, just being able to sit your, sit your money down and know that it's going to work for you because you're working with some great people. I can't, I really can't name something that's better than this. That's why we've gravitated towards this because we think this is the best vessel, at least for us to get where we want to go. Right. I mean, you just got to rely, like you were saying, you know, this is a team sport, rely on the people who are good at what they do and just kind of sit back and let your money work. Absolutely. I love, and that's, I mean, that's, we both got in this for the same reason, right? And uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. So before we end the show, Chris, let me ask you one quick question. I need, you know, so we consume a lot of information every day and a lot of different type of stuff. And, you know, between you and I, it's not even the same stuff, right? I mean, it could be completely different give me one resource that you're consuming right now and it's actually like providing value to you, whether it's a podcast or, or, you know, it could be a book, I guess we talk about books a lot, but it can be a podcast. It can be anything. What's, what's one resource you're consuming right now uh, uh, that's really providing value and why? Well, um, immediately, like I said, podcasts, podcasts basically because it's easy. I can listen to it while I'm on the go and doing my day to day stuff, but like Grant Cardone, uh, Joe Fairless, 
Whitney Sewell is on the tip of my tongue the whole time. But, you know, these guys have just an abundance of information and just giving you uh, just ideas, just something that maybe you didn't think of, uh, you know, and I, like one thing I'm working on right now is uh, raising capital. I didn't even think about, you know, uh, a sample deals, just having something in my hands. And that was a light bulb that just blew up in my head. I love it. And so as soon as I got a hold of that, like it, I feel like it's made, made this a little bit easier, you know, and it was one step forward that I knew it definitely moved the chains rather than, yeah, we consume books all the time, but sometimes I get feeling that I'm like spinning my tires. This was something concrete to do where I can get in front of people and have something tangible that I can show people and let them know what I'm doing and allow them this opportunity to participate. You know, whether they like it or not, here, I'm just showing you, this is what I got going on. Do you like it? Here's an opportunity to work with us and what we got going on. I think it's perfect. And I 100% agree. Uh, podcast and the podcast, your name, fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, I listen, Whitney Sewell has a daily, mm-hmm. I mean, so does Joe Fairless and I listen to both of them, but to have a daily podcast, man, Jim, that takes a lot of work, dedication, you know, so they must be, they're doing some big stuff and to be able to provide as much value as they do, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive and uh, tend to listen to that almost every day. So that's fantastic. Well, Chris, that about wraps it up. Uh, you know, another great talk with you. Uh, look forward to these every time. So I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and uh, look forward to talking to you on the next one. Cool, man. I'll see you next week. All right. So our listeners, just make sure to keep investing in yourself. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, Connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.